This is Rugga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff from Goff Rugby Report, flying solo with a special guest this week, Rugga Matrix America, brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. Make sure you check out the Aircraft Charter Solutions Player of the Week feature that we do on Golf Rugby Report. Also, you can look at Rugga Matrix America past shows on iTunes or also on RuggaMatrix.com where you see the Rugga Matrix International Show. And right now, we are here with Tony Ridnell, former USA national team player, CEO of his own company, and somebody who's been making quite a stir. The guy who's been in front of a lot of people's minds of late because of his blog. The blog posts uh, have been coming thick and fast about changes needed uh, in the leadership for USA Rugby. And uh, Tony, um, what's it feel like to have everybody talking about you? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's good and bad. You know, you sort of you sort of wake up uh, every morning wondering, you know, who's going to be picked off. And quite frankly, Alex, uh, you know, I've been two and a half weeks at this and, and received nothing but 100% support. People saying thank you. People saying, what can I do? And, and literally over, you know, literally hundreds of letters with some pretty specific, you know, pretty specific, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, accusations and, and experience, experiences, negative experiences, uh, you know, with that organization that, that, you know, as a fellow CEO myself, if my customer base was talking about me like that, our shareholders, you know, our customer base, I would be, I'd be very concerned. And, uh, I just don't think that we really have any oversight of what, of how USA rugby is, 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 uh, is perceived by ourselves domestically and also internationally. And quite frankly, a lot of what I'm hearing is just, and this is all firsthand stuff. I would, I would, I'm not, I'm not taking anything secondhand. Uh, this is all firsthand stuff. The stuff that I'm hearing from everything ranging from, you know, rim down to the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the high schools and the women having three different college leagues and just all sorts of stuff, just a tremendous amount of dysfunction. It quite frankly is not a rugby issue. It's an executive issue. So, uh, in answer to your question, you know, uh, it's nice to be at the center and trying to try, you know, and I'm committed to, I'm committed to making a difference. So in answer to your question, yes, I'm glad, you know, we've received the, the, uh, the response that we have, but, uh, you know, is this about getting a response? Absolutely not. It's about making a difference in the quality of rugby on and off the pitch for the United States domestically okay. and with our national team. So we're 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 covering all kinds of different uh, uh, all kinds of levels here. We're talking about um, the performance of the U.S. national team and 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 how it's put together, the high performance aspect. Um, you've touched on um, sponsorship. You've certainly touched uh, talked a lot about partnerships. Um, and yep. you've talked uh, a lot about uh, Nigel Melville, um, who uh, I mean, it's fair to say you, you you feel he's not doing the job and he should be removed. I I don't think I, I actually don't think that's a feeling. I, I think that's yeah. that's an opinion of many many people in America with firsthand dealings, um, some potentially very high level sponsors I've spoken to that have had just you know dealings not. It's one thing not to put a deal together. It's another thing to have your potential sponsor or whatever walking away com feeling completely alienated, disenfranchised, not listened to, and with no hope. And 
that's pretty frustrating, you know. And again, I want to say that 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 because of the the uh, uh, the, the the social media aspect of the blog and sharing, I mean, I, I've I've been reached out to by uh, potential multi-million sponsors, uh, athletic directors of universities, players on the national team, multiple players on the national team. Um, you know, the parent of an eight-year-old girl who plays rugby, uh, high school coaches. Uh, our senior administrators from our top clubs. Uh, the, the list is endless. Uh, a couple of Congress members have reached out and said, you know, I absolutely concur with what you're doing. Um, uh, I won't tell you about what some of the board members have told me, but, uh, but clearly there's a, the clear, clearly there's something to do here. And right. clearly it's, you know, it, it, it's time. It's been nine years, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and we just haven't seen any results and it's time. This is again, an executive issue. It's not, this has nothing to do with Nigel. You know, Nigel seems to be a pretty nice guy, but I'm not talking about Nigel. I'm talking about the position of the chief executive of USA Rugby. Do you get the feeling uh, that for the uh, there are a lot of people you've talked to uh, just for the longest time really didn't know how to get something moving if they wanted something to Absolutely. change? Right. I mean, it's like in any association, right? You know, the, the people at the top that are sort of in charge of the association can keep, you know, we're so fragmented in the United States, right? I mean, everyone knows that. We're so fragmented that we can't even have, you know, uh, aligned leagues amongst our territories and, and clubs and colleges and high schools. We're so fragmented. And everyone, I think, is frustrated by the fragmentation. I mean, there's, it's quite clear, you know, there's no, there's no doubt that there's fragmentation. There's no doubt that there's disenfranchisement. And really, from an executive standpoint, you take a look at this misal- you know, misalignment and disenfranchisement and unhappiness by your customers and shareholders, and you do something about it. You know? and, and my, my initial recommendation would be to take you know, three to five people and then have sort of a, 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 an executive team, and then you have that executive team invite people. So you have 25 to 50 people of invested stake pe- stakeholders in the room for USA Rugby, this can this can range from topics from the national team to young girls and safety and things like that, and we can create some alignment and a strategic plan as a nation on where we want to take rugby in this country. You know, do the senior clubs want to want to participate in a certain league? Do we do we want to participate in a pro league? Do we want a pro league just to come in and helicopter in with no uh, with, with no consultation with our existing club culture? Uh, do we want to create pathways from clubs and college to the national team? Because there's a pretty big lacuna, a pretty big, big gap there. Um, there's very little, little pathway for people that end up after high school if they can't go to college. There's just very little, little pathway there. And I believe just as an executive function, if, if, we, if we take an overall view and construct some positions of authority at the USA rugby level at the national governing body level to create alignment and then assist the organizations to succeed rather than create alienation across the board, which, which quite frankly, Alex is all I see. I mean, if there are people out there that are delightfully happy with the situation and how they, they confront USA rugby, whether it's at the sponsorship level or the national team level or the kids level, high school club, women's, uh, with the women's game is just completely broken in this country in terms of organization and, and structure. 
and, you know, a lot of men wouldn't realize that. I, I didn't know that until some women reached out to me and said, Tony, we've got a real problem here. And I took a look at it, talked to a few women stakeholders, and it's a mess. You know, and now I'm not saying that I can fix that mess, but clearly there's just been a lack of address here uh, at the top level. And again, it's an executive function. This is not a coaching function. It's not a, a director of rugby function. It's, this is a chief executive function, taking an organization that is broken at many, many, many levels. And I'm going to say that it is absolutely broken. And to create some structure around that and some alignment and some get up and go and some drive and, and, and create some standards and expectations because our standards and expectations in this country are so low for our rugby it's horrible. And we have so many super talented athletes. We have super talented administrators. We have super talented executives. And we get into rugby and we just kind of lose ourselves. Uh, you know, we, we just kind of, we're not approaching this from an executive standpoint. We have CEOs of companies across the country that love rugby that don't, that haven't really simplified it down and say, I'm going to run this organization like I run my business. I'm going to have standards and expectations. I'm going to have action items that are executable, and then I'm going to account. I'm going to hold people to account for those actions. This is what it, running a business, running an organization is, and I, I just don't see that we have that. It's interesting. Uh, the, the this this interview is really much more about listening to what you have to say rather than hearing what I have to say, uh, which I think is right. But I uh, I wanted to sort of jump in on the thing when you talk about our our standards are low on on rugby and. That's unchallenged, but um, uh, it feels to me over the time that I've been writing about this and covering USA Rugby, the standards are even lower when it comes to the administrative level. It's like if something is done poorly or not done very well, people just sort of shrug like the, you know, like they're in communist Russia again and just sort of say, well, what, what do you want? Um would you would you agree right. with that? Would you feel like the, that yes. that people just don't? Yes. So so, I'd like to address a couple of things. First of all, you know, very few people get paid to do any rugby job in this country, right? The people that do get paid are at the top, right? The position mm -hmm. I'm talking about, not necessarily for me, but just the position. There are certain jobs that USA Rugby gets gets paid, but I can guarantee you that the Senior administrators at, you know, Seattle Saracens, New York Athletic Club, Chicago Lions, they don't get paid. So it's not up to us to have any expectations, right? I mean, and yes, back in the amateur days, you'd have amateur people doing the best they could. And we all understand that. And the people at the club levels now are doing a great job. I mean, I see it firsthand with the Seattle Saracens. But here's what, here's what I see. I mean, everyone's doing the best they can within their own little sphere. How about having a national governing body that just increases that sphere and create, increases the help so that our clubs aren't operating independently? I know the Saracens, they're looking to get a stadium. They're looking to increase their marketing. But, but I, I, as I told a guy the other day, I said, we still have 100 people here. I played 30 years ago, we had 100 people, and now we have 100 people at this game. And all I'm thinking about is from a macro level, let's have professional, a professional marketing people assist people to market the game and say our top 10 markets, right? Uh, it's appalling to me that, that the way I got notified of a rugby match of my local club, and, there, and let's face it, there are thousands of people in each of our ma major markets, just overseas expats alone that would love to go out on a Saturday afternoon 
and go to a rugby match, they just don't know it's there. So the marketing, you know, marketing at the club level is usually done by a guy that plays on the club or is an administrator. That guy might be a plumber. He might be a, uh, an accountant. But marketing is a, is a profession. And now we're in the professional era for, at the top, certainly, the national team. But we also need to get in the professional era in the, in the clubs in terms of running our clubs. And I believe that, you know, raising the tide will lift all boats. We get some leadership and alignment at the top, create some structures, uh, get people understanding what the mission is of United States rugby. We don't even have a mission statement. United States rugby does not have a mission statement. They have sort of a vision statement that, that is something that, that Kevin Roberts put together years ago that looks like it came from the book Legacy. Uh, that I'm just reading from right. James Kerr. And if you're a rugby administrator and, or a player or a coach and haven't read Legacy, it, it's, a, it's an entertaining read by James Kerr. And it just talks about, you know, uh, creating standards and holding people accountable. That's all the All Blacks do is they just create a very high standard and they hold people accountable across the board for, for living up to that standard, both individually and with teams. And this is what running successful organizations is about. It's independent of rugby. You know, someone, someone asked me the other day, they said, you know, you haven't played the game for 30 years and you're, you're a chief CEO of, of your own little business. What, what, what possibly could you offer rugby right now? What I told him is, is that, that I've spent the last 27 years perfecting my craft as a CEO. I don't need to be a great rugby player right now. What I need to be is a great executive for my business. And now somewhere I'm hoping to fit in, in the, in the rugby structure, uh, you know, at, at some level, uh, it would, it would be I fair, it'd be fair to say that, that somebody, some, you know, somebody in, in a leadership position at USA rugby needs passion for the game. I think that's fair, but that Absolutely. You, you, you know, don't, but you passion, don't... passion, if I may passion for the United States game. Yeah. And, and my passion has come about literally from being dormant from the game for about 20 years, other than going to the occasional club match, the Las Vegas sevens, a couple of tests a year. You know, my, my, my rugby, consists of going to three or four club matches a year if I'm in town, the Vegas sevens and a few test matches and whatever rugby I can catch, you know, on TV or whatever. That's really been my participation. Um, uh, which is, I think is a very good level of participation, you know, to fly to a few venues to watch American rugby. I, I think I put myself in good stead with other people. Um, I do think that, uh, um, you know, it's not, it, it, I think this particular job, the passion that needs to come from this job should be created from the humility that all Americans should feel about the, the perception of rugby in America, both domestically and globally. You know, we're, we are, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, we are a doormat. We're virtually a tier three team. We do the best we can with what we have. Our players work damn hard. I'm sure our coaches work damn hard. I'm sure our HP director, high performance director at USA Rugby works hard. Uh, but we, we, we won. We need to raise the technical level. And that might, might be bringing in some people from overseas to, to provide technical assistance, not necessarily to be the head coach, not necessarily to be the head HP director, but to train us in what that looks like from a, from a sporting aspect and from a rugby aspect. There are things that I think coaches and technical people overseas see on the field, like in the ruck, that we just don't see. Our top players don't see. Our top coaches don't see because we just haven't been exposed to that, that level of the tech, technique of the game. So I think at the leadership at the top of USA Rugby requires a certain passion 
a passion that may be fueled by, you know, just the, the defeats and the humility and, and the, in, the suffering that, that American national team players and administrators and coaches have had to experience now for damn near 40 years. And that passion is alive and well right now. Good. Uh, I'm Tony, I'm looking at a picture that you had on your blog. Um, you, Jack Clark, Dan Lyle, and uh, former all-black great Murray Mexted who runs the Irons Academy. And I only put that picture up there just to, just to, you know, talk about, you know, who might attend a high, you know, a high performance rugby right. summit. And it's not necessarily okay. about high well, performance. Well, my, my question uh, my about rugby the, summit. My question about the picture, I mean, specifically is um, you, you've got, you've got two people, you know, one person, all right. Mari Max has been a, been a friend to American rugby for a long time. Uh, provides, Absolutely. Uh, he, know, he wants nothing. He wants nothing, but to get involved at some level. Sure. Uh, to, to provide his experience and passion for the game. Which he is has great. a residence in the United States. That's great. Tony Riddell, we're, talk, we're, we're talking to you. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to pick on the, pick on the other two, Dan Lyle, Jack Clark. Um, is yes. this, is this just looking at people, the same old people who've been involved in the broken American game for uh, a long time? Are they just as much the old guard as, as others we might talk about? I'm open to yeah. anything, but, but I will tell you this about those two individuals, you know, uh, the reason I published that, that, that picture was really just about, you know, who would have, who would be a stakeholder in American rugby and, and, you know, Dan and Jack certainly would be. And I'm saying that, that Murray doesn't necessarily, or a guy like Murray doesn't come to the meeting necessarily, but we would interview people about their, 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 their technical expertise and what they want to do and what their vision would be for us rugby. And as long as we're all aligned, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to, I wouldn't call for a a guy to come in and take over USA rugby. That's not American. I mean, Mm -hmm. call me crazy, call me crazy, but, but that's just not working. And quite frankly, there's a lot of, uh, a lot that works against that. If you're not American, I'm open to anything, right. but, but what I do know now is we're one in eleven in the last three World Cups. We have a completely broken club system. We have alienation and, and 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 disenfranchisement at every single level, from girls rugby to major multi multi million dollar sponsors. We now have a pro league that's been announced with the uh, uh, the the rights exclusively given to some guy named Doug Schoeninger, who self admittedly doesn't know anything about rugby. I called him up to ask him some questions. He wouldn't take my call. Uh, people that have talked to him said there's no plan. Uh, there's been no meetings with stakeholders of club rugby in the United States. So my question kind of is, who's going to put the games on? What are they going to look like? Who's going to play? And what's going to be the, the, the base of attendance? You, you can't just helicopter in a new league. So I'm just saying that there's so much alienation and disenfranchisement that it will take – it's going to take a lot of strength and a lot of conviction. And quite frankly, a lot of people that are involved in rugby in this country don't have the time. I'm very fortunate that, that I've discussed with my family and my, my current work situation, my passion for this, my desire to make a change. And I right now at this point in my life am, am free to work on this. What's the response you're getting uh, from board members, Congress members? Uh, the, the response from Congress has been very good, but also like Tony, 
I agree with you, but what can I do? I'm a mere congressperson. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, when the restructuring of the board happened eight, nine years ago, the, yeah. from a big board to a small board with a Congress, a larger Congress, there's a lot of insularity that I, I've seen and everyone's seen at this board level where there's someone described it as a tenured fiefdom. It is. I I would agree with that. I mean, we many many of these people have not changed at all. And the idea was uh, nine nine and a bit years ago uh, that it would be different. Things would be different, and the membership right. would be more engaged. So yeah, I could. I mean, not to criticize those Congress people, but a lot of them are the same people, aren't they? The same people over the last I don't know decade. about the Congress. I, I don't know about the Congress, but 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 four or five, six of them have reached out to me unsolicited and said, Tony, I agree with everything you said, but please understand I can't like or share your stuff because I have a political position here. Or maybe it's a player that's looking to get selected or something like that. And I say, hey, I got no problem with that whatsoever. I understand the politics behind this. Um, so I have no problem with, with with those guys saying that. The board has members that want to do a great job. I mean, who doesn't want to be successful? Who doesn't want to be a board member and go to a cocktail party and say, I'm on the board of USA Rugby and we are kicking ass. But if there is a member of the board that can actually say that with conviction, mm-hmm. then I have to, I, I've got, I, I just have to, you got to consider like where their, where their point of view is. So my conversation with the board members has been, you know, and it's been not all nine, but, but I know several of them personally, I've had conversations with five now. Um, of the non-rugby players on the board, with respect to all of the board members, the rugby IQ is kind of low. It, it's, it's, you know, club rugby or, or league administration, or I played overseas, you know. But in terms of the rugby IQ of what it's going to take at all levels, w- with respect to all the board members, I just don't, I think they would tell you that that IQ is not necessarily there on the rugby side. And I think it takes a combination of someone that understands rugby, executive leadership, and has the passion to bring this all together. And it doesn't hurt that, that, a, that the guy's going to have to be, whoever it is, is going to have to be pretty well networked within our rugby community and, and internationally. It's a, it's, it's, it's a unique kind of skill set, executive with, the, with a rugby flair, so to speak. And, we ha- and, and you're right, we, we, on the, the board, the thing is that uh, you know we we as members don't vote for the board anymore. The Congress votes for the board. Correct. Um, we Correct. don't. And, and and so what are they supposed to do? There's four. Excuse me. There's there's forty yeah. something of them, and there's no leadership there. It's yeah. just sort of. I, I would imagine that a board vote's going to be like, okay, here's the nominees, and it's all the same guys, and it's kind of a rubber stamp. I just don't know that. I don't know how the board gets selected. Um, but this isn't like me against the board. This is me saying, like, how can we as a board tolerate the results that we've seen, right? Let's take it at the top. We're 1-11 at the World Cup. We've beaten some pretty, you know, average teams. Have we beaten a very, very good team in years? I don't know the answer to that. No. But I think what no, I would say is if we did beat a good team, the, the sustainability of that, there's no sustainability at all. I mean, we, we have 13 players. We had 13 players playing overseas in 2011 World Cup. We had 12 this year. So I don't see how that's growth if that's one of our missions is to get our top players playing overseas and getting that experience. That's not growth. That's regression. 13 in 2011 and 12 in 2015 is regression. And 
I've asked the board members like, okay, let's, you talk about progress and going in the right direction. We don't have a mission statement, so you can't measure the direction, A. Um, and I was talking about the, the, the mission statement earlier from Kevin Roberts. It was something about, you know, uh, aligning the world, aligning the rugby world American style or something like that. I mean, just, just Which condescending and just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it actually goes hand in hand with what New Zealand said about what their rugby mission is. I think we would, could agree that the USARS mission and the New Zealand rugby union's mission are probably two different things and probably should be not even considered in the same sentence. Uh, we've got to get off. We've got to get off the ground here and get some inertia. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get some inertia around people in the rugby community that can align. If if I'm the person to help align it, I'm fine with that. I'm, I have no, I have nothing to gain out of this other than I want to be at a rugby World Cup quarterfinal before I die. I want to see the United States play, and I want to hug some of my teammates and say we we helped get here, uh, and some of the administrators say we helped get here. But right now, let's face it. There is no pathway for that. We are getting left in, left in the dust. And that is indisputable, okay? Japan is a perfect example. Argentina. 30 years ago, we would have beaten Argentina. I think we know what would happen today. Um, and, and it just goes on and on and on about how other countries are surpassing us. On my blog, I've had people say, well, you know, we, can, we could compete with Romania, right? I'm like... My thought is, you know, Romania, they might have electricity on 75% of the time. I mean, if your goal in rugby is to compete with the likes of Romania and Georgia, um, then you and I probably have different goals for our country's rugby program. And, and, I, and I respect I, you know, that. I, 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 mean, I, I, think, I think on the, you know, the, your point about uh, Japan and uh, Argentina are – are well taken, although Argentina. But many other, uh, many Argent, other nations. Argentina is beating major the only, nations. The only nation that we're not as bad as right now, who's in a real rut, is Canada. Yeah, I mean, Can that's right. Canada's. Got, you think we've got problems? Oh my gosh! The you know, a couple of friends of mine from my era and I were talking. They said, "TR man, spot on about everything you're saying. Just replace USA with Canada and multiply it by two, and you'll see the problems we have." So, yeah. you know, North America was 0 and 8 at this rugby World Cup. I mean, you know. We need to just look at that and, 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 and call a spade a spade. I mean, we're just not, we're just not doing what it takes. And, and that just shows the results at every single level. I asked one of the board members, give me other examples of progress. And, and one said, well, we qualified for the Rugby World Cup. And, and my thought is, it's just like, how can that be a standard that's acceptable to us? Like, our pro progress would be winning a game in the Rugby World Cup or winning two games, which is just sort of this fluff that comes out of the administ chief administrator's mouth before the World Cup. Well, that sounds good. Well, we're looking to win two games, you know. Well, if you're looking to win two games and you end up winning zero, then some self-assessment needs to be made. And I just don't see the self-assessment anywhere. I, 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 heard, no. uh, Nigel's interview, I heard Nigel's interview about no knee-jerk reactions. And he only mentioned the coach and the players, you know, well, we'll have no knee jerk reactions. We're not going to fire the coach immediately or replace players. And I think that's 100% accurate. I think where the self-assessment should be and the knee jerk reaction is that the person that picks that coach and has, is responsible for the state of rugby and the state of play in this country right now. And I don't think that, I don't see any passion there. And quite frankly, no one else does either. Uh, just a, just a little correction on you. The, the uh, world cup squad, uh, um, 
that I had had uh, 13 professionals, although one of them was injured and replaced by a non-professional. Okay. And uh, well, and, yeah, and you you can you can argue there are four more because the, the paid to play on the U.S. sevens team. However, uh, to yeah. to to take away from that, if you're you know playing for you know Toulon and Saracens, that's a wonderful thing. Playing for Castanet in uh, the the French third division, playing professionally uh, for Bucharest isn't exactly what we, what we envision when we talk about playing professionally overseas. So, the I agree with that. I haven't I haven't drilled yep. down to that into that. I just right. heard, I just right. heard not. But sure, you know, it'd be sure. My but, goal. but that's it'd be my that's goal to have fifty players playing overseas, and that's where if that was one of our missions, if that was our one of our one of our strategic plans and objectives, right? We just have none of this at USA Rugby. We have no plan. We have no objective. And I'm not just kind of complaining about it. I'm stating a fact. There, the bylaws require a business plan to be written. I think it's every five years. That's correct. In eight, eight or nine years, there's been no business plan written by USA Rugby. And from an executive level, it's no wonder we're just broken. It's just absolutely no wonder. And again, people have asked me, like, how can you talk about rugby when you haven't been involved for 20 or 30 years? This is not a rugby-related issue. This is an executive issue of creating objectives, at creating action, coming up with object, a plan with specific objectives, high-level objectives, and then creating action items and standards around accomplishing those objectives. So one objective might be, let's get 30 players playing overseas. And so it would be someone's task at USA Rugby or somewhere, a board member or whatever, to start marketing our players overseas. I don't know if that goes on, but clearly if it is supposed to go on, the results show us that it's not working. And, you know, concurrent to that, I had the owner of the Glasgow Warriors contact me. Um, yeah. And uh, he said, hey, Tony, I'd like Nathan Bombers here. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about rugby. I've seen what you've been saying. I agree with you could I talk to you? And I had about an hour and I was like, gosh, you know, all I, all I, what I really don't need here is some Scotsman and some heavy brogue, you know, <laughs> telling me how it's supposed to be done in the United States. But I, I, I said, yes, absolutely. Let's, let's have a call because uh, the managing director of a major UK premiership club, I think deserves to hear. I'll, hey, if it's a Scottish guy and he just berates me for 15 minutes, I'm fine. fine. I get on the phone and after the first minute, after he starts talking, I said, excuse me, but I don't hear a Scottish accent. Where is your accent from? And he said, oh, I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's right. I played it. I think he said he played at Notre Dame or another, you know, another Midwest university. And he went when he was 21, 22 years old to uh, Europe on walkabout for six months with a backpack. He ended up getting in rugby and, and he has now been the responsible party at the at the administration level for the Glasgow Warriors success in the UK Premiership. That's right. I, me- I remember talking American. to him when he, I mean he was the marketing director at Sale. I mean he's been he's been right. working for exactly. major major teams. Um, he's exactly. not and he told me he told me he's approached USA Rugby to try and create some partnership, some type of some type of relationship. Mm-hmm. And maybe if for me it would be like, hey, could you? He's the one that signed Carlin Isles. But maybe we get two or three players in his program. You know, hopefully we can get some money around maybe subsidizing it if that's necessary, but at least we're getting our top players playing overseas. And, of course, everyone needs to talk about where the money's going to come from. Sure. You know, Tony, where's the money going to come from? Well, 
a sponsorship. I, I took the liberty of calling the marketing, the sports marketing sponsorship director at, shall we say, a very major and very global American sports apparel company. Okay. And he told me about the absolute debacle of trying to get a deal done with USA rugby. Now the, the, the CEO didn't get involved in that particular deal. I don't think. And it was someone that was later let go of USA rugby. But if we're talking about a firm of this size, the sponsorship level as a CEO, I think I might get really personally involved in that and not let some underling screw it up, which quite frankly, is what this was described to me from the inside at USA rugby. But it was a lot more than that, that this executive talked to me about, you know, who works at the sports apparel company, who's very willing to put a deal together, but, uh, but won't do it. If we have, a, if we have product on the field, they, they, they won't even discuss it. If we have a product on the field, that's, that's as that shows the results that we're showing now. Sure. So people talk about, well, where's the money coming from? And, I've received messages from so many people that want to want to participate financially, but don't have the confidence in the leadership to be able to put their money where, you know, to be able to put their money down. What investor would want to put money in an organization that is showing absolutely no results and has no plan for the future? The only plan we seem to have for the future is this pro league that you know, and you know, they made this for-profit company Rim, which would be able to attract money. My thought on that is, you know, why do you need a for-profit company to do the same job you were supposed to do when you're a non-profit company? I, I just don't quite understand. There might be some tax advantages or something, but I don't understand. I don't think that a, a group of people, the same group of people that has been not performing for years, is going to go to some new for-profit company and magically have some new results. I don't see that happening. Uh, but I digress. The, uh, the, this pro league uh, that's been announced, uh, apparently they just signed a director of rugby operations yesterday, um, a guy with a, uh, a Colorado phone number. Um, and I believe he's a Scotsman. I'm not, I'm not positive. Um, but uh, the idea of like helicoptering in a pro league into this rugby environment, to me, uh, without getting any conversations going with stakeholders of the game before before you even plan that. I mean, I don't even understand if if you were a guy and 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 how did we give this guy the rights to our pro league? He doesn't know anything about rugby. There were apparently other other uh, leagues and organizations trying to get this these rights, and there's just been no disclosure to the American rugby community about why this decision was made, why it was awarded to this fellow, Doug Schoeninger, um, and, uh, and what's going on. I'm getting a little bit out of my league here, but, but this is all firsthand information that, that I've heard from people. And, you know, I tried to call Doug Schoeninger myself. He wouldn't take my call. Um, uh, so, so I'm getting a little bit, you know, a, a little bit above my experience level right here now with talking about RIM and, and the yeah, league. I recognize yeah, that, but, but I do certainly as a player and executive recognize that there's uh, there's some danger zones if this doesn't get implemented properly. And it could, it could just literally kill the club game in our country if it doesn't get implemented pro properly. And I am totally open. I'm totally open to listening to the plan and getting on board. And, you know, if it improves rugby in this country and the competitiveness at the top level and, and our competitiveness in the clubs and, and, and helps us bring some alignment across the country, I'm all for it. Who wouldn't be? 
Well, we are we are running to. I mean, so go ahead, go ahead. The thing the thing about rugby, as you all know, rugby is first and foremost a participation sport. It's it's a sport that people it's about players. Yeah, yeah, and, and, about players. You know, you 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 can watch football. Uh, there are a lot of football fans who, uh, if they ever played, they stopped playing in high school. Uh, but there are a lot of the uh, the high percentage of rugby fans who are are in their 30s and 40s who still play and are fans right. of pro rugby. So the, the the idea to to not involve and 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 not incorporate the idea that people still play, I think, is a mistake. Um, and and it was you know years ago you mean I, at the local club at the well, local club level at the local club level and even up to the absolutely I mean, if, no if, question if you've got a professional team that team that team needs its feeder system it needs its minor leagues it needs something to produe those players and to and have people bought in and if you had and if they well, did this something is, this that incorporated call, this is what that's I'm calling great. about a yeah. pathway right yeah this is this is the phrase I'm calling a pathway so. So you have your, your, your regular clubs who have not been contacted. No one has been contacted yet, the stakeholders of the clubs, at least from the top, at least from three of the top clubs in America that I know in talking to the senior administrators of those three clubs. So I have to assume that if you're not talking to the likes of San Francisco Golden Gate, Seattle, Chicago Lions, NIAC, who else are you going to talk to, right? Life right. College, same thing. I mean, so if they haven't talked to those people who are – you know, who are the stakeholders they're talking to, the speeder system that's going to need to be bought into? And again, maybe there's some magic plan that's going to be announced and we'll all go, wow, this is great. But I believe that there's been way too much emphasis put on the money aspect of the game in terms of making money versus let's take the money that we have, do a much better job of, of increasing the, the, the revenue. I mean, the, the, I looked at the financials, the the, the, the sponsorship revenue, the total sponsorship revenue brought in last year was just over $2 million, 2014. I mean, I'm looking at some of these board members whose bonuses are 10 times that. I mean, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm just not understanding how a board with this supposed, you know, power and executive force and, and, you know, can't go out and raise more than 2 million bucks. I, I just, that's just a, that's just a piss in the pot as far as I can tell. And the reason I heard from this global company yesterday was that we just don't have a plan. We're, we got nothing to tell. We got nothing to sell other than hope, you know, and that's kind of, I, I know I feel, I, I'm sure I sound kind of negative, but, but I mean, this is the state of the game that we're in. And, and I'm making these assessments now based on hundreds of pieces of firsthand input that I, you know, I'd be glad to, I'd be glad to present them somewhere. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm not trying to point fingers or anything at this. I'm just trying to say that in this country, we need to have some leadership that can do a, a, a valid self-assessment. And it's clear we're 30. We're just, we're a 40. This is what someone said. TR look, USA rugby is a 40 year old startup and it's time just to take some, get some professional executive management in there. And that's all I'm saying. I think a lot of these problems, the alignment, the structure, the organization, the disenfranchisement, the alienation can all be affected like any other company that's broken has executive leadership come in and fix it. Right. But we don't just stand around and talk about it and, and, and talk around it in the bar. Like, well, USA rugby doesn't do this and we don't do that. And our clubs don't do this. And we only get a hundred people to the club game. 
I would one of the one of the strategic objectives I would have is what do we need to do to get two thousand people to our club games every weekend? Now imagine if instead of saying, well, we got one hundred and five today instead of a hundred, right? Which is sort of the prevailing attitude. Why don't we have this objective of getting two thousand people to watch a game at Treasure Island or Magnuson Park or Memorial Stadium in Seattle or you know Randall's Island or wherever New New York Athletic Club plays? We need to get the facilities to put those games in, um, but it all sort of happens together. Higher quality on the field means higher quality events, means more people coming to the games. More people coming to the games means potentially more advertising because you can take it to a sponsor and say, look, 2,000, 3,000 people at this game, right? You can take it to local sponsors. You can take it to um, national sponsors. And I'm not talking about local sponsors who are friends of the rugby community. Right. You know, like – like Joe's paint company, you know, who, who sponsors something at a, at a local ground. That doesn't do us any good. That's just someone giving rugby a gift because they care. I'm talking about to creating some titanic changes in the way we look at our money and the way we look at the, look at the results on and off the field, the standards, and, and really the expectations. All right. What, um, what's next? What are we going to see from you next? <laughs> 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 well, you know, as I said, look, this, honestly, like people are like, you know, Tony, this is just all about you looking for a position. This, this is absolutely, that's absolutely the furthest thing from the truth. This is me standing uh, once again, 30 years after I played, sa- facing the same humiliation by, uh, you know, the fans of another program. And I'm not talking about like, you know, negative stuff. I'm just talking about like, real rugby international talking to me after a game just saying, Hey, TR man, what's going on with you guys? You're going backwards. 50 points in the second half versus South Africa. There's nothing to bring away from that positive. I mean, there just isn't. And the fact that we just say all this stuff about, Oh, it's okay. It was our second team. You know, all this just these indefensible excuses that we've used for 30 years. When is the time that we're going to finally stand up and say, damn it, we can do something in this country. We're, we're the system United States of America. You know, we're the doormats to no one. I'm sorry. And that's the way I feel. And I'm, I am going to do something about it. And so what you're going to see from me next is continued effort to get in a position for myself and some people around me to get ourselves in position to, to put some of these ideas and concepts that I'm talking to you and make them happen. Right. Believe me, people are telling me, Oh, well, your blogs are just words. Well, they are just words because right now I'm not in a position to execute anything, nor, you know, nor the guys I'm working with, you know, we're just not in a position. So from my perspective, it's about raising awareness, getting some alignment, getting some people around us to tell the board, like, look, this is not working, guys. Under no circumstance can you say, moving forward, what we're doing now is going is to be better than it was. And if you, if you take a good look at it, if you're an executive at a company, right? Now, I'm not talking about a sales guy. I'm talking about the guy that is responsible for everything that does or does not happen in the organization, which is the chief executive, right? That's, where the, that, that's why chief executives at major corporations make big money. Because they're responsible not only for the successes, but for the failures. And we're just having absolutely no acceptance of the fact that we are failing. And, and I'm sorry. I mean, there's just no, I don't mean to be negative. But I've confirmed this with so many of my teammates, 
eras of different eagles, eagles of uh, eras of club players, high school, college. Just we're just not getting it done. And and I'm I'm going to say it. I mean, it's just a fact. We're not getting it done. And quite frankly, no one has disputed that at any level, from sponsorships down to you know the the, the mother of the girl, eight, the eight year old girl who's playing rugby. I would like to, to address, you know, you asked a question about that picture I had on my blog with Dan and Jack. Sure. And what, what, what phrase did you use for those two? Uh, well, blood, do, 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 they, do they represent really not new blood? Are they, are they part of the – Well, the, I, hold on. I, I mean, you know, I, I haven't mentioned any individuals, but this, let's talk yeah. about those two individuals in particular, okay? Let's agree that, that Dan Lyle and Jack Clark are two of the greatest men in American rugby. You might not like them. Right. Jack can be a very polarizing guy. He's kind of a my way or the highway guy. Right. Yes. But if you're a my way or the highway guy and you win 23 national championships or whatever it is, you know, we might want to listen. Maybe you should be driving that highway. Right. Maybe you should be driving on that highway. Right. I mean, if you saw Jack's thing on winning his, his presentation, I think it was a TED talk or something like that. And you look at Jack Clark. You can't dispute any of any of that stuff just because you might not like him personally because he's a little bit gruff and he, you know, he, he, he had to do things his own way. How can you argue with that success? Why wouldn't you have a guy like that, at least in the room aligning with you? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Lyle. I mean, I don't think, <laughs> I mean, there, there's not a guy I've met in American rugby on off the field, whatever that has done more for USA rugby in terms of its reputation, flying the flag, and doing what he could at the time uh, to represent American rugby. I mean, people don't know this, but he, w- he was regarded on the field as the number one, number eight in the world. That's like a Portuguese basketball player being regarded as the number one player in the world. That just doesn't happen. So overcoming all those obstacles of him being an American to be named the number one eight in the world when he was playing is incredible. He was elected as captain of one of the most storied rugby clubs in the United Kingdom, an American. He played alongside three, four, five current English internationals who voted him captain. So that's got, he's got to have some leadership ability here, right? He's gone, he worked at, at uh, USA Rugby, I understand, uh, at USA Rugby at one time, I believe, as the director yes. of operations. But that was, you know, six, seven, eight years ago when he was first, that was his first job out of rugby. And he had to come into this complete dysfunction of what USA Rugby was, and from what I can tell, currently still is. And he's gone on to success with, uh, I think it's called United World Sports, the, the owner right. of yeah. uh, USA 7, working with John Prusmack. So I hardly would call, you know, Dan and Jack old goods. Far from it. I mean, we have the most successful coach in U.S. history. And quite frankly, I believe – with the exception of Tom Billups, he's the most successful Eagles coach. Well, uh, uh, not, not, are we I mean, all, you know, are, yeah, are Jack I mean, and I getting up there? Up. Yeah, we're both yeah. over 50 years old. But, I mean, I at least want Jack in the room to give, his, to give his, his thought on the matter and also to gain his alignment and support for USA Rugby so that, so that we, can, we can say in the bar, like, hey, I might not agree with everything that's happening, but I'm at least aligned with it, Right. I'm not going to just sit here and complain because I had something to do with the implementation process. So uh, I have been told that I'm a little bit over the hill by by certain (laughs) members, but like, 
I've been working at my, I've been working on my craft for 27 years, which is being a CEO, which is being the best leader and executive I can possibly be. I just happen to have some rugby experience. Again, I'm not, I'm not, this is not about me. This is about our World Cup performance in, in, in 2019, our World Cup performance in 2023, our, our Olympics performance next year, our, our, our women's performance in the World Cup, and everything up down to our high school championships, our age grade championships. Do we need to relook at the state-based high school model again? Um, there's all sorts of stuff we need to do to create some alignment. There's just a lot of people doing a lot of great things, but going in every which direction. And I don't think that's disputable. This is, this is not me about, not about me saying, you know, people are not doing a great job and they're not busting their ass. We have so much talent and passion and resources in this country that just, if we just had some leadership, uh, and some passion behind it, we could, we could, we could make this happen. I believe it. We could make it happen and I'm ready to make it. Well, Tony Ridnell, uh, so much to think about, uh, very interesting, uh, to see somebody trying to, uh, sort of spearhead change. And I guess that would be the thing that frustrated people uh, over the past is, is that there's been a lot of shrugging. Well, what can we do? Well, Tony, uh, at least you've been doing something quick, um, quick. I don't know if it's even a correction. We talk about uh, the different historical records. And I'll just th- um, mention uh, Jack Clark certainly is the winningest uh, USA head coach. Uh, he also um, lost the most games because he, uh, coach the most games, um, and uh, Tom Phillips is second behind him in terms of number of wins. Uh, so, however you want to um, measure success for a USA national team coach, longevity uh, certainly one of those things. Number of victories, one of those things. Winning percentage, I think that goes somewhere else. Um, but just wanted to sort of don't don't write me any letters saying that uh, um, we kind of got that wrong. Um, but having said that. Much, much to think about in terms of everyone in USA Rugby really looking within themselves and making some self-assessment, and then the rest of us making some assessment and seeing what we can do about it. Uh, Tony, uh, fantastic job. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Alex, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That'll do it. Uh, this show is brought to you by Aircraft Charter Solutions. Thank you very much for listening to Rugga Matrix America. 